0: If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn them with me to Psalm 127. Thank you, worship team. Great job as always in leading us into the presence of God through praise and worship. Brother Scotty, um, thank you, brother, for what you do. I envy you, brother, in many ways. I sit back there and saw that after you would gotten started, that because of technical difficulties, things wouldn't go in just like the needed to. and Man, you changed some wires, and twisted some knobs, and got back going, and is this better than ever? I can't tell you how many times I've started a message and it just wouldn't go in like I thought it needed to. And I wanted to change a knob, switch the knob or change a cord and start back, but that's very hard to do. But brother, you done it just right and uh, we're thankful for you. In Psalm 127, we have a power-packed five verses that I want to share with you today. I told you last week that we were going to begin this Sunday a series of messages on the home, on the family, on the blood-bought, born-again children of God and what their family ought to look like. Now, one of my favorite authors is a man by the name of James Dobson. Many of you I know have heard of Dr. James Dobson. You've probably read many of his books, as have I. Anything that I can get a hold of from James Dobson, I try to read because the Lord uses him in a fantastic way. And a long time ago, many years ago, he began a ministry entitled, and he called it, Focused on the Family. And, um, and I don't want to, would never want to offend Dr. Dobson, but I don't think he'd mind. That's what we're going to entitle these series of messages on the family. Um, we're going to focus on the family for the next few weeks. And see what God's Word says about the Christ-centered home. Let's read in Psalm 127 these five verses. The Bible says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he... For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Low children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the sweet, sweet spirit that's in this place. Holy Spirit, we're asking that you have your way and your will in these services. Lord, I realize I can do nothing in and of myself effectively, and Lord, I want to do nothing in and of myself. I want you to use me this morning to fill me up and pour me out in the lives of these people. Lord, help us to see what it means to have a godly home. Lord, we want to know what you say. Holy Spirit, we're asking that you speak to uh, hearts and change lives today. I know I can, uh, I I may can preach truth, but only you can impart truth. So I'm praying that the words you've given me to speak, you impart that truth to the hearer. Lord, make it real to us all. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen and amen. Now, folks, in 2001 one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me or will ever happen to me happened on August the 18th. I married um, my wife, Brandy, and man, what a blessing she is to me and to my ministry and to this church. So thankful for her. Uh, We were married on August the 18th, and I guess about two months after we had gotten married, I was laying in my bed one night, and I was dead asleep. Now, any of you that know me, you know that, um, when I say dead asleep, that's what I mean. When I go to sleep, I go to sleep. I mean, I die to everything around me. And and um, it takes uh, a, a lot. A lot of people say an act of Congress. Well, it'd probably take more than that to wake me up uh, when I was dead asleep. And so I'm laying there sleeping good, man, uh, enjoying myself. And, and all of a sudden, Brandy rolls over and she grabs my arm like this and she says, "Israel." Somebody's in the house. Now, if that's never happened to you, um, you don't know what I'm talking about. But guys, if that has happened, you know exactly what I'm saying. Automatically, I was wide awake. And fear, I'm talking about, gripped my soul because I didn't know what in the world was going on or what she was talking about. And man, I sat straight up in the bed and She said, somebody's in the house. And I said, well, go see who it is. (laughs) No, I I didn't say that. I wanted to say that. I wanted to say that because when you get woke up like that and you don't know what's going on, you're still kind of dead asleep. You know, I was a little bit scared myself. I wanted to, but I didn't because I realized that as the husband in the home, the man of the house, God has called me to be not only provider in my home, but protector in my home. Can you say Amen. And so it wasn't her job to get up and go see what was going on in the house. That was my job. So I get up out of the bed and, and go to the closet and get out my 12-gauge shotgun. And, I, and so I, I get my, my shotgun out, and I'm walking through the house, and I get in the middle of my hallway from where our bedroom was at at that time. You had to go through our hallway, through the living room, and then into the kitchen. All right? So I walk out of my bedroom into the hallway, and all of a sudden I hear something in the kitchen like I've never heard before. I mean, it sounded like somebody turned the refrigerator over in my kitchen. Bam, ba-bam, bam. I thought, my gosh, what's going on? And so I'm walking through the house then like I'm on the SWAT team. I've never been on the SWAT team, but from what I've seen in the movies, that's what I was doing. I'm going around looking at every corner, man. I'm checking things out. I get in the middle of the living room again. Bam, ba-bam, bam. I thought, God, what is going on? And so I stopped. And I yelled to the kitchen. I said, whoever's in there, you better come out because I'm fixing to shoot. And I was. That's what I had on my mind. I was already ready. And so I'm looking, walking into the door of the kitchen. And I turn around with that gun. And I don't see anybody standing there. The only thing I see is my reflection in our patio door that was at that time at the end of the kitchen. And I like to scare me to death. I like to shot myself in the glass there. But there was nobody standing there really in my kitchen. Now, what was happening is that before we went to bed that night, we had just bought groceries, and we came in and set a 12-pack of Cokes up on the counter, and we had opened the end of it to get a Coke out, and sometime during the night, those Cokes start rolling out. And that's what Brandy had heard when she woke me up, and that's what I was hearing as I was walking through the house. I'll never forget that. But let me tell you why I was ready to shoot somebody in my house that night, because, listen, I didn't want anybody... Anybody causing harm to anybody I loved. Can you say amen to that, guys? <laughs> I'll tell you something, man. You mess with my wife and mess with my babies, that's a different thing. And so my, I realized that my job is to protect them at all costs. And so I was willing to do what was necessary to keep anybody that was in my home Uh, from harming those that I love the most. Now, folks, let me say something to you. We face an enemy that is coming against our homes that is much more scary than anybody that could have been in my house that night in my kitchen. We face an enemy that is completely and totally from the pits of hell. Can you say amen to that? Now, Satan, I want you to know, is waging war on our homes as believers. He's coming against the home with all the power that he possesses. Listen to me, folks. Demons are coming against our homes because our homes has been divinely created. Do you realize that the home was the first institution created by God? We had the home before we have the church. And so Satan knows that he who holds the home holds the future. So he's doing everything he can to kill, steal, and destroy godly homes right here in Um, our world. And so folks, we need to know how to come against him. We need to know how to battle our enemy. We want to see what God's word says concerning our homes. And if you don't believe me, Satan's coming against us. Let me give you just a few statistics that'll prove the point. First of all, do you know that the current divorce rate in America is 52%? That means more people are getting divorced than are staying married. Whatever happened to Um, uh, in sickness and in health, uh, for better or for worse, richer or poorer, till death do us part. Whatever happened to the commitment that we made between a husband and a wife and before God Himself? Not many people are abiding by the commitment they make. More marriages are failing Um, That are actually making it and so Satan is certainly coming against the home 20 million children live in a home without the physical presence of a father. I want you to think about that just a minute. 20 million kids right now in this country are living in homes where no father is present. Only 68% of kids will live through their adolescent years with an intact family. That's amazing and it? it's scary. Suicide has just replaced homicide for the second leading cause of death among teenagers. Now I want you to think about that. Suicide just replaced homicide for the second leading cause of death among teenagers in America. Folks, that is amazing to me, and that is so sad to me. Let me say something to you, young people. You have problems. We all have problems. We're always going to have problems as long as we live in this fallen creation, but let me share this with you. Don't miss this. If you don't get nothing else, get this. Your hope is found in Jesus. I want you to know you're not hopeless. Listen, you do have promise of a better tomorrow, but it's found in Christ. Suicide is not the answer. I've seen what suicide does to the survivors. You don't want to do that to your family. That is not the answer. God has purpose for your life. Our prisons are overcrowded. And our churches are under full. Kids are going to school with guns and killing their classmates And these geniuses in Washington are blaming it on the gun. Folks, I'm going to tell you, it's not the gun's fault. It's kids who have no raising's fault. It's kids who've never been taught to love and respect What love and respect is from a Christian home. I'm telling you about every, uh, not about, every problem we have in this world today, I believe, can be be linked right back to the home. It really can. It's that important. It's that important. So this morning, I want to give you four truths concerning a Christian home from the Word of God in Psalm 127. First of all, I want you to see the building of the home. Look at verse number 1. Except the Lord build the house, they that labor in they labor in vain that build it. How many of you know, if we're going to have godly homes, godly homes have to be built. They have to be built, and we see in verse number one who the builder is. The builder is the Lord Jesus Christ. He must build the home. Now, you say, brother, how is it possible that Jesus builds the home? Well, let me say this. A man... A husband or a father who, listen to me now, has accepted Christ as his personal Savior will be a husband who loves his wife as Christ loves the church, and he will be a father who raises his children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So as the Lord Jesus Christ begins a work in that husband and that father's life, he begins working on him, working in him, and then working through him so that he might impact his family. That's how Jesus begins building that home. He works in the hearts of people. Amen. So that I might be the husband God's called me to be so that I might be the father God's called me to be. And I feel so sorry for men who are trying to be good husbands and good fathers without the help of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, I'm going to tell you, that's impossible. You can never love your wife like you need to love her and like she needs to be loved. You'll never love your kids like you need to love them and like they need to be loved unless the Holy Spirit of God is at work in your life, shedding the love of God into your heart. So we need daddies and husbands who know Jesus and are filled with the Spirit. God's working on them, working in them, and working through them to accomplish His goodwill and purpose in their home. We need mamas. Listen to me now. Who are teaching their children to follow Christ. Who are loving them babies and teaching them what's right and what's wrong in the home. But folks, before they can teach them to follow Jesus, they must first of all be followers of Jesus themselves. And as we have followers of Christ as mamas and wives in the home, they will start fulfilling their purpose there, which is to love and respect their husbands and raise up their children. See how that works? But it takes Christ building that home um, and unless he's doing the building, then those that try to build it, build in vain. We build in vain. Our um, building becomes pointless if it's not founded in Jesus. Not only does the home have to be built, but if it's going to be built, it needs a blueprint. Now, how many of you understand the blueprint is found in the Word of God? Jesus begins a work in the hearts of his people, in godly mamas and godly daddies, Uh, Godly husbands and godly wives, godly children. He begins that work in that godly home using the word of God to build that family into what he wants it to be. And as we grow in the word of God, line upon line and precept upon precept, and we start seeing what God expects of us and what God has promised us in his precious word, then we start becoming what he wants us to be. The blueprint is the Word of God. Let me say something. If you want a marriage manual, let me tell you where you need to get it. You need to get it from God's Word. That's why we're preaching these messages. That's why we're talking about this. If you want a manual on godly parenting that's pleasing to the Lord and that'll be a blessing to your kids, you look to the Word of God. That's where it's found. Let me tell you why I say that. How do you know God created the family? God created the home. Now, who is going to know better how a home is supposed to operate than the creator of it? God knows. Listen to him. See what the Bible says. Apply those truths to your life and it'll change your home. Change your home. So the builder, first of all, we need to see that. The builder of the home, if it's going to be pleasing unto the Lord, has to be the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see the building of the home, but also the blessing of a godly home. Look what it says in uh, the second part of verse number one. It says, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Now, how many of you know a kept city, a protected city is a blessed city? If you believe that, say Amen. Now, you say, "Rose, that's talking about a city. That's not talking about a home. Well, I still think it applies. Let me tell you why. Because all in the world a city is a collection of families. It's a collection of homes. And so what the scripture is saying is, unless the Lord protects the family, then the family won't be protected. Now, why do we need the protection of the Lord? Because Satan has come against us with all kinds of, Of different things. Let me give you just a few of them. How about immorality? Immorality is running rampant in our world today. The Bible says clearly that we shall not commit adultery. But how many of you know of the 52% of marriages that are failing today because of divorce, the number one cause is infidelity. The Bible says that we are to flee from fornication. How many of you understand we're doing a study right now through our men's group that 68% of Christian men, 68% of people who claim to be Christians admit to having a problem with pornography. Dr. Adrian Rogers says something about sexual immorality. That I love. He says immorality has been the downfall of ancient Rome, ancient Greece, and ancient Babylon. It may well be the fall of modern day America. There is no sin that will do you more harm than sexual perversion. Take your Bibles and turn with me please to 1 Corinthians. Chapter number 6. In verse number 19, look at this. Let's just start with verse number 18. He says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication... Sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. I love the last part of this, verse 20. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are gods. The Bible says that the sin of sexual perversion, the sin of fornication, all of these sins that we've been talking about, listen to me now, they're sinning against your own body. It kills your fellowship with God. Listen, it completely demolishes your respect for others. I've heard it said that people who treat sex lightly will always treat human beings lightly and I believe that to be exactly the case. It is. It is. And it's a problem today. Immorality is running rampant. Let me give you another one. How about selfishness? How many of you know that selfishness in the home does great harm to the family? A husband, a father who is selfish, it's all about him, what he wants, when he wants it. I'm telling you, that is an unloving father. A selfish mama or a selfish wife, when it's all about them, what they want, and when they want it, is an unloving mother. And I'll promise you, selfishness in the home is doing a lot to tear down the family. Let me say this, kids. Selfish kids are unloving kids. Unloving toward their siblings and unloving and ungrateful toward their parents. When it's all about you, you think it is. When you think it's all about you and what you want, when you want it, then you become very ungrateful brats that need their tail tore up. And so I'm just saying, selfishness is a problem in the modern home. Would you all agree with that? What about stress? I'm telling you, we live in a stressful society like never before. Let me tell you why we're so stressed out, because we're too busy. I believe with all my heart, one of the greatest tools of the enemy is to keep you so busy with good things that you miss out on the best things. Amen. There's a lot of good things that we can do and we should do. But when you start replacing, listen to me now, the best things with the good things, then you're missing out on all that God has for you. So, brothers, what's the best things? The best thing you can do with your family and for your family is to be committed to the things of God. That's the best thing you can do. Put that as first priority. Hey, if your kids grow up to be uh, in the World Series and the MVP of the World Series, but they miss out on what Jesus, who Jesus is and what He's done for them, then they've missed it all. So don't, don't, listen to me now, don't trade the good things for the best things. We're so stressed out, we're so busy that everything begins to weigh on us. Let me give you an example. A man's stressed out and he's busy. He's so busy, he's got no time to do nothing. He's got no time to really spend that quality time with his family. And he goes off to work uh, one morning he gets to work and his boss calls him over and, over and says I need to talk to you for a minute and he begins telling him about how he's failed at work and how he ain't doing what he's supposed to do and he, he really gets on him pretty good and he's been so stressed out and weighed down he hadn't been able to even keep his mind on what's going on in his workplace and so he, the boss gets all over him and that again begins to weigh on him all day and he's thinking on that all day and he gets off work that evening he gets home to his wife walks in the door and she says honey how you doing Do you have a good day and he kind of growls at her a little bit and she says I really need to talk to you about something we got a problem with little Johnny and so he says woman can't you just give me five minutes I feel like I just don't have five minutes to do anything for myself and just bites her head off and then that begins to weigh on her She's stressed out and overworked too because she's doing, she's got about 15 jobs that she has to do every day. She's a cook, she's a maid, she's a chauffeur, she's got a job, she's trying to be a mama and trying to be a wife and everything's weighing on her and now she's mad and she's getting weighed down because her husband just bit her head off. And then little Johnny comes walking in the door from school and he says, mama, I need some help. I don't know how to do these five math problems. And it's common core math. I could, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set aside a whole series of messages just on Common Core Math. We need some absolute truth in that, praise God. And so he, she, he sits down and she, he starts asking this and he just ain't getting it. And all of a sudden she says, can I not have just five minutes for myself? You did, he gets five minutes for himself. What can't I have five minutes for myself? I'm done with it. And that starts weighing on the little boy. He walks to his room. When he walks through his room, the cat runs out from under the bed, and he just hauls off and kicks that cat. <laughs> now, where did all that start? That started that morning, didn't it? Well, that man at his workplace. And he's so weighed down and stressed out. It causes all kind of conflict in the home. Has that ever happened to you? I know it don't happen to none of y'all. Y'all super spiritual. I don't ever have none of y'all. Ain't none of y'all got no trouble, do you? Now we all have trouble. Selfishness, stress, immorality—all of these things are tools used by the enemy to come against the godly home. And so, if Satan's coming against the home in all these ways and many more that I could list, who's going to protect the home? City hall going to protect the home? Your state government going to protect the home? What about those geniuses in Washington? They going to protect the home? It ain't looking like it, is it? So if the home's going to be kept and the home's going to be protected, who's going to do it? Well, the Scripture says in Psalms 127, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. I don't know about you, but that's a great blessing. A man who puts himself under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ can trust the Lord Jesus Christ with his own. It's amazing. So very thankful for that. Not only do I want you to see the building of the home, the blessing of the home, but also I want you to see the benefit of the Christian home. Look what it says in verse number 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he giveth his beloved sleep. Now let me tell you what he's talking about. I believe that verse number 2 is a verse about discontentment. What he's saying is you're rising up early. You're getting up early. And you're going to bed late and you're burning a candle at both ends to gain more because you're not content with what you have. And you're working so hard trying to get to the place where you can enjoy life and you're missing out on life as it goes right by you. Amen. Amen. And he says, you're doing all of this and eating the bread of sorrow. You're not content in what you're doing. And your life becomes this mundane rat race, this routine, this rut that you're stuck in. And you lose the joy of life that God was meant for you to have. Amen? That's what happens sometimes, isn't it? Now let me say something, folks. The Bible says in the book of Timothy that godliness with contentment is great gain. Let me tell you what I think he means there. Being in right relationship and in right fellowship with God will bring you contentment. And that contentment will be great gain. But it takes being in right relationship and right fellowship with the Lord. That means stuff is not going to bring you contentment. I don't care how early you get up or how late you work to get it because we believe the lie that's been told to us in in a lot of ways. That unless we have the biggest house and the nicest car and unless our kids are the most popular, that somehow we're not measuring up to the guy down the street. Well, guess what? That's not your measuring stick. They're not your standard. Your standard is set forth As a child of God, by what He says in His precious word. Y'all don't believe that? Well, somebody say amen. That's truth, isn't it? Listen, we work our fingers to the bone to get things we can't afford to impress people we don't even know or like. And He says, you know what? It, it, this is all bread of sorrows because you're rising up early, you're going to bed late, you're in this rat race and you're still not content with what you got because contentment contentment does not come in stuff. Contentment does not come and, and listen to me folks, in all the things that we can gain in this life, it don't come in a person. A lot of people think, well, I tell you what, man, I'd be happy if I could just get Mr. Right. If I could just get that right woman, I know that would be just what I need. Listen, you're never going to find Sufficiency in a person you're never going to find satisfaction in a physical person that's why a lot of marriages fail because husbands try to find their satisfaction in their wife and wives try to find their satisfaction in their husband listen the satisfaction you're looking for is only found in Jesus that's why godliness with contentment is great gain to you so he says you're eating the bread of sorrows when you miss out on these great truths. But look how he puts this. He says, in the second verse, he gives his beloved sleep, rest, peace, contentment. The benefit of a godly home is that you realize Listen, my worth is not found in what the world views as worth. My worth and my family's worth is found in Christ. Not only do you need to see the building of the home and the blessing of the home and the benefit of the godly home, but look at verse number four. We've got to see. we got excuse me, verse number three. We've got to see these babies in the home. Look what it says. Lo, Children. Our inheritance of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is His reward. Let me say this, folks. How many of you know that children are not a burden, they're a blessing? They're a blessing. I'm telling you, I don't have perfect kids. Y'all know that. Y'all know their daddy. I know him too. I know mine are not perfect. I know they have faults and failures just like I do, just like you do. But let me say this, I love them. And what a great blessing they are to me and my wife. I now cannot even remember what it was like before I didn't have kids. It just don't seem feasible that we hadn't always had them. They've completed our family. And just like the Scripture says, happy is the man who has his quiver full. And I won't tell you, my quiver's full. (laughs) I'm not looking to add any more. As far as I'm concerned, it's full. But I'm just saying... I love them. And man, they are such a blessing. A lot of people say that um, kids will make a rich man poor. Well, they've got it backwards, brothers and sisters. Kids will make a poor man rich. (laughs) A lot of people think, well, I don't want to have any kids because if I have kids, I'm not going to have to be able to get that car I want or live in the house I want or I ain't going to be able to go to uh, uh, Hawaii next year for Christmas. Those kids cost too much. No, listen. They are God's blessing to you. Do we have problems, struggles, trials, tribulations? Absolutely. But isn't it worth it? I want you to see some things here about these kids that he's talking about in this godly home. First thing I want you to see is that children are not a burden but a blessing. But I also want you to know that children are arrows in the hand of a mighty man. Isn't that what he says right here? There are arrows in the hand of a mighty man. So are the children of the youth. Now, let me let me ask you this. What do you do with an arrow? When you're getting ready to use an arrow, what do you do? I remember when I used to bow hunt, one thing that I would always do before I went bow hunting, I would sharpen my uh, the razor blades on my broadhead arrow. Some of y'all know about that. I'd get it good and sharp so that when I went to go hunting and shoot that deer, I could make a good kill. I could make a good shot. I'd polish those arrowheads up, get them ready for the next day when I was going out into the woods. So arrows, first of all, how many know they're polished? Let let me tell you something else happens with an arrow. Not only is an arrow polished, but folks, uh, an, an arrow is also pointed. If you don't point the arrow at what you're wanting to shoot, it's doing no good. It's polished, it's pointed, but let me say something else. If you point it and pull it back at something, but you don't propel it, then it's going to do no good at what it's hitting. But now listen to me. If I let that arrow go from my bow, how many of you understand that once it's gone out of the bowstring, I have no way of controlling it then? So if I'm going to control it, I better control it Well, I've still got it in my hand. Let me tell you what happens a lot of times. We wait until our children are six feet and 160 pounds too big to start trying to control and propel them. While they're in the hands, you better do something with them. You better start when they're this big. It'll be a whole lot better trying to polish them up when when they're this big than they are when they're this big. Amen? So start then. It makes all the difference in the world. There are arrows in the hand of a mighty man, but how many know that arrow that's in the hand of a mighty man is for a reason? It's to be shot at the enemy. Now what's the Bible telling us here? It's telling us that kids in a godly home that are raised by godly mamas and daddies, filled with the Spirit, born again by the grace of God, those kids that come from that home, they are propelled at the enemy. And the Bible says in the last part of this, Happy is he, is the man that hath his quiver full of them, for they shall not be ashamed. Who shall not be ashamed? The kids or the parents? Both. Both. What he's saying is, when you raise your children in a Bible-believing, God-fearing home, listen, folks, we all know that they're not going to be perfect. We're in an imperfect world, can you say amen? Y'all been around those parents that think their kids are perfect? Make my eye twitch just a little bit. Yours too, if you're honest. I'm just saying, none of them are perfect, but they are a blessing. And when they're raised in a good, godly Christian home based upon the standard of Scripture, listen, directed by the principles of the Word of God, when that happens, it makes all the difference when they get up big enough to start making their own decisions. And it causes a whole lot less shame to come to the parents or the kids. The Bible says that they will speak with the enemy in the gates. Me and my wife have talked about this for a long time, you know, and I don't know what God has planned for my kids. But I tell you what I want. In whatever field God leads them into, I want them to go into this world. Armies. Listen, in the army, in the service, as a soldier in the army. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey. If God calls them to the ministry. Fantastic. If He calls them in to preach. Fantastic. If He calls them to the mission field. Fantastic. If He calls them to be a godly uh, nurse. A godly doctor. A godly whatever the case. Teacher. A godly homemaker. Whatever it is. I just want them to be soldiers in the army of the Lord. Making a difference in this world. So let me ask you Something. Are we doing what we can do as moms and dads to raise up children who meet with the enemy, who speak with him in the gates, who make an impact for Christ in this world? That's what the Bible is talking about. Oh, listen to me, folks. I want a godly home, don't you? We can have a godly home, but we got to do it God's way. Jesus builds the home. Jesus blesses the home. In a godly home, we find great benefit. And I'm praying, I'm hoping and praying that we see the awesome responsibility to raise them babies up in a way that's pleasing unto the Lord. Everybody stand with me. If you're here today and you've not yet trusted in Christ as your Savior, then why not today? The Scripture says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait till next month, next year, next time. I've heard a lot of people say, Boy, when I get to where I can live it, I'll do it. Guess what? You're never going to do it. Because you can't live it. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit working in you, working on you, and working through you for you to live out your faith daily in a way that's pleasing unto the Lord. You only get the person of the Holy Spirit when you choose to trust in Christ. You can't do it by yourself. That's the whole point. You need God's grace. You need Him. So today, trust Him. Trust Him. Only trust Him. That's what you got to do. Trust in Jesus. Makes all the difference. Made all the difference with me. If you need to be saved today, you come. I'm going tell you something, daddies. If you're here today and you don't know Christ... You really don't know how to love your wife and your kids. I know you think you love them like all and with all your heart, but you really don't know what it means to love your family until you've experienced the love of Christ. That's the truth. It makes all the difference. Same thing with you, mamas. It'll make all the difference in your home. That's the first step to a godly home. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. Lean on Him. Mm. You may be here today and listen... You've got troubles and trials in your life that you're dealing with. Guess what? The Bible says the Lord is our ever-present help in a time of need. So if you're in a time of need today, guess what? You're not alone. My goodness. We all have needs. We all have problems. We all have trials. I tell you all the time, or I want to keep telling you that, folks, there's a problem in every pew, but there's a problem in every pulpit. Oh, I need Jesus. Don't you? We all do. So maybe you just want to come to this altar and say, Lord, I got some things I need your help with. Help me in this area. Help me in that area. A lot of times we miss out on the blessing of God because we don't ask for it. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. So start asking. Start asking. Maybe you're here today and you need to be baptized. Well, fantastic. You've been saved, but you've never been baptized. We can handle that. Come make that commitment of faith today. If you're here and you need to join this church, you've played about it, you know this is where God wants you, then listen. Come be a part of what God's doing right here. We want you. We need you. Like I've said before, I guess what I'm trying to tell you is if you've not been saved, come let us help you. I want to share with you in the Word of God what it means to trust in Jesus. But if you have been saved, then won't you come help us? There's a work to do. Let's get busy in it. If you need the Lord in any way, this is your invitation. You come today.